Welcome back to the Film School for Marketers podcast, brought to you by Impact and Zach and Mariah. I am Zach. Glad you're here today. I'm joined by my co-host, Mariah Anderson. Howdy. And we come bearing good news. It's that video continues to be a trend. And we're going to discuss that in our episode today. Something really awesome has been released. And uh, that is the Vidyard video benchmark report for 2019. It was released uh, about three weeks ago or so. And yeah. Mariah and I have been chomping at the bits to discuss it today. And uh, so we encourage you, if you are watching this, well, depending on where you're watching this, look at the show notes or uh, Google this benchmark report and review it with us because that might just provide you a little more context into what we're talking about. Um, but Vidyard being a partner of ours, we love them. They got into cahoots with a company called Demandometric. And they put this benchmark report together, basically just viewing trends, trends in the business community. This is really for companies just like yours and mine. Uh, if, if somebody is a Vidyard company, company, it's safe to say that they are serious about video. And so, you know, the, the, the things we're going to talk about today, they aren't just some weird, like, you know, stuff that applies to YouTube creators and like what teenagers are watching. And, you know, it's not just general video viewing data, it's business video viewing data. So it really applies to all of us. Just a little bit of background on this study. As I mentioned, they did it with demand metric. And it's essentially firsthand data from a sample of Vidyard customers, uh, including more than 324,000 videos over a 12 month period from January 1st, 2018 to December 31st, 2018. So let's start with chapter one, which is video viewing. So this is breaking down essentially where videos are being viewed on devices and browsers, the days and times of the week, viewing patterns throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Mariah, what was your biggest takeaway from this chapter here? There's a few. So especially if you're following along, I'm going to start with the first one, which was the desktop versus mobile views and where majority of business video, business related videos are being watched. Um, and it broke down into desktop being 87% and mobile being 13%. Now mobile has increased 25% over the previous years. Um, I I was a little shocked that it wasn't a bit higher, but it makes sense that, I mean, it's it's much more than it was previously. Um, I think that also ties into sometimes when people think about how people are viewing their videos and getting like stressed about someone not listening to it because they're on their phone and they're maybe in a train or somewhere in public where they don't want to play the sound. Like obviously we talk about captions, but some people are like, are people like less likely to watch a video if that's the case? And I, I think this helps prove and show that people significantly more so are, are still reviewing this on desktop. So that, that should show you that, I mean, that shouldn't be a concern of yours, but that's, that's a little takeaway I got from, from that piece. What about you? This is interesting because the reason that this is. Yeah. Case, Cause I was surprised too, when I saw this, you know, this is, this is videos that are hosted on a website. And so these statistics are going to be very different from what you'd see on video viewing data on a you know, social media platform like yeah. YouTube or Facebook. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, it's going to be the opposite. It's going to be way more majority is on a mobile versus mm -hmm. desktop. And so this just shows you that, you know, for one, we've got to be cognizant of the fact of where we're hosting our, our content out 
at, it can't just only be the website. We've got to look into other places to host that, that content as well. Um, but also really optimizing our mobile pages on the website for video viewing. Cause, cause it's really easy to only focus on, on desktop, but it also needs to be optimized for viewing on mobile as well. But yeah, this is really interesting. I, I was surprised that the mobile viewing was so small. I mean, 87 to 13%. It's pretty shocking. <laughs> yeah. I thought it would be a little bit closer like to each other than, than that was, but um, with it being like a 25% increase over the previous year, I mean, that's a pretty significant jump. So I would assume that that would be even probably higher than, than that percent in the next year. Video views by browser. It's majority Chrome. Uh-huh. I didn't even know people still used Internet Explorer, but that's on here apparently. <laughs> that's the next one. Fifteen percent uh, Internet Explorer. Uh, Safari's ten percent, and Firefox seven percent. Optimizing for viewing on Chrome. That goes without saying. Now, this is the one that surprised me out of viewing data, and that is views by day of the week. Oh, did it? The highest view percentage out of the week is is Wednesday and Thursday. Now, it, this the reason it's surprising is like, if you were to ask me, if you were holding a gun to my hand and say, Zach, <laughs> what is the day that you think most people are watching video content? I would be like, a f- Friday? Because mm-hmm. I don't even know why I think that, but I think it's just, you know, if you're... I know uh, why you think it. <laughs> why? Because I watch majority of videos on Friday? No, because Friday usually is like the end of the week. Things are slowing down. You're starting to kind of tune out a little bit to probably your day-to-day responsibilities and you probably are spending a little bit more time watching things. Not to say that you're not doing your work, but you're more likely to watch things. But that's why I actually wasn't surprised with a Thursday because I think that that hits me personally on a Thursday, like maybe morning, afternoon as I'm like, oh, it's almost Friday. So, but yeah, sorry. I just had to interject there. Yeah. Well, I'd be curious to see if there's any data that supports or how this affects buying behavior. So is that to say that a lot of people are watching these video content pieces because they're more prone to purchase on Mm -hmm. Wednesdays and Thursdays? I mean, it would depend if it's like a B2B or B2C sale, but I wonder how buying behavior matches up to that. Like, I wonder if, if most purchases happen on Wednesdays and Thursdays as well. We should look up that stat because you know what's interesting. Like, this is just me personally. I'm not speaking for everybody here, but I would say majority of the sales calls that get booked on my calendar happen to be Monday, Tuesday. So that kind of makes some sense to me. If I'm doing research Thursday, Friday, then I book a time for Monday, Tuesday. But that's just personally. Yeah. Yeah. This also means if you're including video and emails, I'm not going to consider. Yes those on Wednesdays and Thursdays as and well. I, yeah. I can attest to the fact that from a marketing standpoint, anytime that I've sent anything out, I have much more traction um, on the Thursday and Friday, mostly Thursday. Also time of day plays into this as well. It seems to, to be that the data would support around 10 AM is the best time to, or, or the most popular time where people are watching content. So that might play into your email strategy as well. Might even play into the time in which you publish video content to your mm-hmm. social media platforms or things like that. It may also affect the way you're doing your live chat. You might want extra, extra staff on the, the chat team in the morning. All right, cool. Let's move into chapter two, which is publishing. And this is some pretty compelling data, which once again, I said this in the beginning, but this is based on a group of Vidyard customers. So these are companies that are very, very invested in video. 
And this shows really how invested these companies are because we've got average number of videos created uh, per company by industry. And like in these high tech industries, we got like 425 videos. So I'm going to, I'm going to go down the list. Like that was the high tech was the highest. Second was professional services at 381. Then media and entertainment 313 makes sense. Um, the, the industries that I saw aren't creating as much, which I would say gives you guys a leg up if you are in that specific industry to really own and take advantage of video are manufacturing, uh, public services, education, and healthcare, uh, and financial services, which I mean, it's interesting too, because that, those are ones that I would be, I would have thought would be like really great ones to start with too, in terms of video, like financial services. That's a really huge opportunity for you to make connections with people on a human to human level with something that they're having to trust you with their money. Like to me, it's like that, that's a no brainer. Um, manufacturing that's, that's huge for, I mean, we've worked with a lot of manufacturing companies when it comes to video, really great opportunity to dive into all of the specifics of how it works, show people what it looks like, all of the processes, all of that. Um, and public services, education and healthcare. Uh, I'm actually curious if the reason why that's not as high as the others has to do with what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, which is, um, companies thinking that they can't do this kind of thing because of regu like heavy regulation uh, and like HIPAA compliance. Yeah. I'm also curious if this number includes sales videos as well, like one-to-one -one videos, or if this is solely what we refer to as, you know, produced videos. It doesn't really specify, although it does say sales and support team using at used video at some companies in certain in industries that would also drive up the average as reps in these departments tend to create a higher volume of simple DIY this one-to-one -one video is included, I would assume, especially with that statement. This whole chapter was really interesting, just showing the sheer volume of content. This is the one, and this is probably the, the biggest one for me that that I was actually pretty shocked by. And this is from somebody who <laughs> specializes in helping companies insource their production. If you look at the sample size of Vidyard customers, they were looking at who is using external resources, who's using internal resources, and who's using a combination of the two? A majority of companies, small, medium, and large, are insourcing a lot of their, well, well majority of their videos. There's a large percentage of enterprise companies that are using a combination of both internal and external resources. But I'm shocked at how many, especially small to medium-sized businesses, are using majority internal resources. That's, mm. That was just simply not the case you know, five years ago. Like this was not the conversation we were having at all. Yeah, I was, I was blown away by that, especially what we were talking about last week and what my assumptions were even going into it of the breakdown. All right, let's move down into chapter three, which is video content. So we're breaking down different types of video, distribution of those videos, video length, and things like that. As far as the different types of videos that businesses are investing in right now, just to go down the list of what we have here before we talk about the percentages, we've got things like webinars, demo videos, social media, explainers, product videos, customer videos, how-tos, thought leadership, live streams, cultural videos, vlogs, and one-to-one. -one. Which is interesting that we're also comparing one-to-one -one with all of these because I feel like they should be different. But notwithstanding, 
the number one type of video that most businesses are investing in is webinars, which I think really shows you that maybe for a majority of the sample size, it's B2B. Because in a B2C market, webinars aren't really that popular. Like you don't watch a webinar about hammers before you go to Lowe's and buy something. You know what I mean? Like it's, that's totally different in, in a B2C, especially in retail. Webinars are not a priority. It's interesting that you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't have put one-to-one uh, within this because I would have actually. I, I see them as two separate entities. I actually don't even think webinars and live streams should be compared. I don't know. I, I, would, I would put those on a different level of comparison in terms of what's being invested in. My takeaway from that, even if like you would probably separate it from this whole category, but um, is that it is such a small percentage in terms of one-to-one video. And if I'm viewing this as more of a human investment than necessarily like a financial investment, uh, it's so funny to me because I, and I've talked about this before, I go back and forth about thinking that like everybody's on this bandwagon now of like creating these one-to-one videos, but there is such a huge piece of the pie that, um, no one's taking advantage of and that no one's doing. I mean, 11% is like minimal, minimal. Um, those are mine. I, all, all of the like lost big sales opportunities people have by not doing that. Yeah, it's, it's an awareness problem. Even going out and discussing video all the time and talking about one-to-one video, you know, this is a concept I have to familiarize people with. They don't even understand one-to-one. They don't even know what that means. Yeah. And they never even considered using their webcam or you know, sending this type of communication and sales conversation. So it's really just an awareness problem. It's not, I don't think it's a resistance to it. It's, it's a lack of awareness overall. So next we've got video distribution channels where content's being used. Uh, uh, website, social media, YouTube, which is also social media, landing pages, recorded webinars, emails, sales conversations, and then other. The, the largest distribution channel is the website at What's the percentage here? I'm not understanding what 85% is. Oh, 85% of the people they polled are using videos on their website, probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, followed closely by social media, 84%. YouTube at 67, landing page 57, recorded webinars 55. Sales conversation all the way at the bottom at 24%. That's such a shame. Yeah, me. yeah. That's such, talk about lost opportunities with one-to-one, you know, take all of the reservations somebody might have about one-to-one video and set those aside and, and just give them a video. And, and that's a crying shame if that's not being used. This, it improves a sales conversation immensely, shortens the sales cycle, everything. What's more interesting, if, if you think about the percentage that are using our website and social media, if it's 85%, what are the other 15% doing? They're, not, they're using video elsewhere, but not on their website? That's curious. I'm still hung up on the sales conversations one. <laughs> I don't understand that. This really comes down to making sure that the sales team knows what's been created and, yeah. and, and knows how to use this kind of communication to improve their processes. You know, we, we, we talk a lot about the implementation of this, but we don't talk a lot about how to actually, you know, put the, the tools and the resources in place. This is something that's been hot on my mind and, and I'm hearing this a lot is, you know, marketing teams are creating a lot of content, both written and video. And they are struggling to figure out how to get that into the hands of the sales team so that they can actually use it. I see it in forums and, and social media groups all the time, which is, you know, we're making a spreadsheet, try and make it easy for people to find stuff. Like we've got to do better than that. We have to, we have to 
involves the sales team in the creation of the content. We have to make it easy for customers and prospects to find it because if they can find it, then the sales team can find it. And if they know how to use it to, to improve the quality of their conversations, then we're going to be looking at something a lot different than 24% of these customers using video and sales. I mean, that's just, that's, that's, it doesn't matter what industry or product or service or anything you have. If you're not using video and sales, but you're doing video, why are you doing video? Yeah. And to, I mean, to top that off too, I mean, we talk a lot about how marketing and sales are one team. Like there should be conversations where the sales team, it shouldn't be a matter of like, well, what have you created or where does that live? It should be a matter of like, we work together on these topics that we're going to create because as a sales team, we're letting you, the marketing team, know the questions that we're getting in the sales process and what's happening. And that should inform the, the types of things that are being created. I mean, that's another piece in itself as well. Like if you're not a part of that process as a sales professional in your organization, I mean, that's another huge opportunity you're missing out on um, when it comes to video content that your team can be creating and then you can be using. So I'm seeing a trend here. We've got types of videos businesses have invested in up there at the top is webinars, 56%. And then we, we come down to top three types of videos based on just distribution location. So based on the things that we just said, landing pages, emails, websites, social media, sales conversations, and YouTube, mm -hmm. webinars is the top ranking type of video content for emails websites, and YouTube. Or at least that's where these businesses are, are publishing that content. Let's talk about what we see here. We see that, that businesses are noticing that their audience, like it says in here, has a thirst for long, longer form educational content. All right. So we take that assumption, then we go down to video length distribution. And the trend that we see here is that business videos are, are getting shorter. 40 to almost 50% of videos that brands are creating are from zero to 60 seconds. And even their own kind of conclusion of this says the question is why? Businesses may be recognizing their retention rates are, are better for shorter videos. And as a result, creating more concise content with the aim of getting more viewers to stick with them to the end. Now, hang on a second. We just said that, <laughs> that webinars may be, may be showing that there's a trend that viewers want longer form educational content. And then we're <laughs> saying at the same time, a majority of the videos that are being created are zero to 60 seconds. So, and the reason I want to point this out is because a lot of people will have you believe that you should create shorter content because if you can get the retention rate up, that means you're doing good. But I challenge that thought. The goal at the end of the day is not just to get somebody to watch an entire video. The goal at the end of the day is to build trust with them and improve the quality of conversations that you have. And ultimately, close more revenue. And if that means that your video needs to be 30 minutes, then it means it needs to be 30 minutes. So, you know, the golden rule is always should be as long as it needs to be to get across what you need to get across, but as concise as it can be as you look at video length and as you look at data like this. So this, this says a lot as far as what other companies are doing. But the first thing you should do with this data is go, okay, well, how many of these videos are following best practices that are actually going to keep people watching? And at what stage in the sales process is this content actually being used? I actually think that in terms of one-to-one -one video, especially when it comes to prospecting or initial like inbound management videos that you're doing, that is spot on in terms of drop-off rate. I can tell you when I first started creating one-to-one -one videos, my videos were probably almost two minutes in length. Um, and I consistently saw at like the 40 to 60 second mark, people would drop. 
and I'd watch it back and see what was going on. And, you know, there was areas of improvement in terms of being concise. Uh, but I can tell you now that I have cut down on, on all that fluff and realized like this is the value I can drive in 60 seconds. People watch 100%, I would say, majority of the time. Um, and I, I truly do believe that, especially in the beginning, when someone doesn't know who you are, you can't ask that much time of them um, when it comes to these one-to-one videos. And that 60-second mark is 100% the sweet spot. Yeah. Considering that a lot of these could be one-to-one go videos. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. For most clients that I've worked with, and even for the content that I create, majority of my content is like two to four minutes. Mm. Even when I'm shooting go videos, you know, I'm not doing prospecting. So mine aren't going to be like, I just need to get in and you yeah. know share a message. Like I do share quick videos, but they're usually, you know, around two minutes long. So yeah, that's that's kind of interesting to me. Of course, we there's a lot of, of data that we're not getting here. Like we don't know what the strategy is that these yeah. companies are using. Yeah. Let's go down to video engagement. And there's just one little thing that they did here. So they're just comparing the average engagement for different lengths of videos. And so we've got videos that are about a minute to videos that are about what is 1200 seconds. <laughs> I don't do math. I can't help you there. That is, okay. That's 20 minutes. So the average engagement for a zero to 60 second video is roughly 68% by the time it's over. So you still have about 68% of your viewers by the time it's over. All the way on the other end of the spectrum, we've got the videos that are 20 minutes long with a 25% engagement rate still watching at the end of the video. Everything else pretty much falls in between that. This is actually really encouraging to me. Working with clients for a long time that are on YouTube, which is, as far as video platforms are concerned, it's, that's the most competitive, like competitive in terms of competing for attention. Yeah. That's what you do majority of the time. And really the way you measure success is anything that has over 50% by the time it gets to the end, that's, that's a success. You can count that as a success. If you have still... Half your viewers watched the entire video. That's very good. And most videos won't even get that just because YouTube is so competitive. But the reason this is encouraging is because for uh, viewers that are on your website, like that's a, that's a different metric of success. 50% uh, is the average. So I would say for trying to figure out if your video is really killing it, now you have to up that percentage. All right, moving right along into video analytics. This is really just showing for the for their sample group how many of them are using the tools that are available to them to measure effectiveness. Okay, so here's my thing with this one. Because we've got 11% are at that advanced level and everyone else is lower than that. So 15% aren't even measuring at all. But that 11% is actually able to track ROI of their video efforts. That means that 89% of these companies that are investing in a video host and producing a fair amount of video content aren't even using the tools to show ROI. So I just wonder how sustainable that is. And I would love to work in an organization like that where I don't have to show ROI. But <laughs> I guess the question is why? Like why, why don't they have to show ROI and why aren't they trying to? Because if they're spending money on a video host and they're investing in video, wouldn't you want to know kind of what you're doing? I, this is just, I'm just curious, yeah. you know, why, why there's such a, a difference there. I, I kind of wonder, well, first off, before I even dive into that, I mean, the quickest way for your higher ups to cut 
that out of your like marketing budget or what you're doing is by not showing your ROI, especially when you know higher ups already think like, wow, this is something that's going to be an extra expense for us. Is it worth it? It's new, all of that. Um, but you know, part of me wonders. I don't know if this is necessarily the reason they're not showing ROI, but I think it's really easy to jump right in to using something like Vidyard and get started with video and just get so sucked into that that like months down the road, you're like, wait a minute. Like I'm tracking and seeing like this person's watching or whatever, but I forgot to foundationally set up dashboards and tracking and things that relate back to my sales. And once you get to that point, sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it's really hard to tie back historically and set things up. It can just take... It's just extra time. So my recommendation would be the moment that you start... To, to have that foundation laid down and have it ready uh, because you're just going to make your life a little bit more hectic if you wait too long to do that, um, which is never fun. But I, I kind of think that's probably part of the reason that it happens. I know, Zach, you've probably talked to a lot of people like this. I have too. Sometimes it's just really hard to get buy-in from your sales team to do it and to realize that it is a valuable thing that's going to drive them more sales, shorten their sales cycle. And the quickest way for you to prove it and show it is to set this up. Like that will speak for itself in terms of getting buy-in from your sales team. Well, this has been a very enlightening episode. I hope it was enlightening for you. This stuff is all super applicable for us as businesses. As I mentioned in the beginning, this isn't just some general Netflix or YouTube viewing data. This is stuff that is absolutely affecting all of us as businesses. And so it's good to follow this information. As I mentioned, if you want to view the report for yourself, make sure you check the show notes for that. And uh, we'll also have some other supporting articles and videos in there that might help you with some of the stuff that we talked about today. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you come back next Tuesday episode. And you know what? If you're feeling generous and you want to leave us a review on iTunes, I mean, it'd be okay for me, but Mariah would love that. It would make her day. It would make her year. No big deal. Make sure you like and comment, subscribe. And until we see you next week, keep learning.